0: Hello and welcome back to the B6 broadcast. It's been a while um, since the coronavirus pandemic, lockdown, all of that stuff. Uh, obviously, football's been on a hiatus. Villa have been on a hiatus and so have I. Um, a little bit extended as I've been gathering my thoughts from the um, the first few games um, since Project Restart. Uh, for Villa, so I thought I'd just do a podcast just to kind of catch catch up on where we are and some takeaways on on the team, how we've changed for for better and for worse since since we started up again um so let's just jump straight in with kind of the, the lay of the land after after four games, four games in eleven days for Villa, which uh Dean Smith has been complaining about quite uh consistently um, fairly I would say as well Um, it has been a a crazy schedule really for Villa no one else has had to deal with anything like it which is a little bit um, unusual Um, so good to definitely have to have a just over a week off before the Liverpool game especially with the might of Liverpool that we're going to be Going to be facing uh, I'm recording this on Friday afternoon The night after Liverpool were spanked By Manchester City uh, I saw something about it being the um, The heaviest defeat By a, a champion Since the 90s So two things are going to happen We're either going to get a very pissed off Liverpool who are absolutely Going to, absolutely going to tear us to shreds Or a Liverpool that's just kind of Not given up But taking their foot off the gas a little bit um, I would expect them to hopefully make some changes, having not made any changes for the game against Man City. Um, I would expect to see some, some players rested, so that could certainly help us. But this isn't going to be much of kind of a preview of that game because frankly don't really know what to expect from from Liverpool, what, what they are going to look like. This is more looking back at what we have done so far. So as I said, four games, uh two points, two goals scored and four goals conceded um as Dean Smith has made reference to quite a bit the defense has actually looked a whole lot better since the um since the restart granted it couldn't really have uh, have looked much worse to be honest um the last game before before the lockdown of course was the 4-0 hammering by by Leicester where we were absolutely all over the place defensively but they've been much much more solid um and I tend to agree with, with Smith's kind of assessment that unfortunately any chances that we have given away, even half chances seem to have been been punished really I think you look at the Wolves game at the weekend um, just gone and fair enough we only had one shot on target but Wolves only had two and they just happened to score one of them a brilliant, a brilliant finish and it was only really a half chance that uh, Dendonka stuck away really well but if we look at kind of The fluctuations then from before the restart to now, um, they are pretty stark. So if we look, let's go the negative first, let's get that out of the way. Uh, In goals per game scored by by Villa has actually fell from 1.21 goals per game to 0.5 since the restart. I don't think it's news to any Villa fans that we haven't been anywhere near as much of a threat going forward since um, since we've come back from the break, a little bit possibly tentative and just not creative enough um, in the final third. I think we'll kind of get into the reasons possibly behind that later on. But uh, those are just kind of the, the raw numbers there. Um, and then on the positive side, on the other side, goals conceded per game has fell from two to one, um, which is obviously phenomenal. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, and that is the one thing I've got to say for us is that what gives me hope for the rest of the season is that we are in all of these games. Um none of these games have we been blown away. It's just been a case of not quite getting the results that we probably have deserved a little bit more. Um and just kind of having that, that killer instinct. Um so overall, with the decrease in goals scored and increase uh, and decrease sorry in goals conceded by Villa, it's actually meant that before the um before the lockdown we were scoring goals Per goal conceded And that is now We're scoring 0.5 goals Per goal conceded So although yes the defence has been So much better It's actually had a worse effect On our ability to to Be close in those games Um, However We have actually Somehow with only drawing Two games because of How poor Bournemouth have been and Bournemouth is another reason that it really gives you hope, if you're a Villa fan, that we can stay up. Bournemouth, due to their woeful form since the restart, they've lost every game, culminating in a uh, a 4-1 defeat to Newcastle, which made our draw with Newcastle look a lot better. I was pretty frustrated after, after the Newcastle game. felt like a game we really needed to win. But due to Bournemouth's bad form, we've actually gone up a place from 19th to 18th on goals scored. Um... The bad news was that was followed up with a, a massively unexpected win for, for West Ham over Chelsea. Chelsea, frankly, just didn't really turn up for the game. Uh, and West Ham, to be honest, probably deserved to win it. Um, and that is probably an issue for us because West Ham's fixture list isn't anywhere near as daunting as as probably ours. Ours is, Bournemouth's and um and even Watford's as well. So they will feel probably like they only need maybe under the couple of wins and that that should be enough for them. And they've got plenty of games where they're able to get those wins. They've got to play Norwich still. So, um, yeah, West Ham obviously feeling a lot better after that win. And that was a massive blow for Villa, but you can't have it all. Um, But, yeah, just to, to delve a little bit deeper into kind of how we've changed and... I'm not sure it's obviously it is keeping us in games and and that's a good thing and it gives you opportunities to win games but the expense of of this defensive solidity has certainly been any kind of goal threat from us um and that is at a time where draws aren't really enough for us now I mean we I had us before the restart began needing probably 11 points to stay up three wins and two draws which I thought was achievable. We've got the two draws, but now we need to win games. Draws are, are no good to us anymore. Um, and I think that might be the wrong... As, as much as it has obviously helped us out staying in games, I'm not sure the kind of new defensive approach is really the right way to go about it. Time will tell, but especially as as Dean Smith's coaching philosophy isn't exactly, you know, Tony Pulis ball, Um I wonder whether he'd been better off just kind of like sticking to his his principles. But having said that, it wasn't like we were playing you know free-flowing attacking football before the lockdown, and we were still conceding a ton of goals. So um, maybe, maybe it will help us, obviously, in the long term. Um, but at the moment, unfortunately, we just don't look like scoring a goal. We really don't. Um, even when we even when we get the ball, get the ball back the counter attack threat just isn't there from us and i think that's that's what makes me think we're not suited to play this style of football or at least just that we kind of look like we're learning it like we're kind of learning on the go um, but yeah i think we just we we seem to not suit counter attacking style of football purely because everything we do when we win the ball back is far too slow even if we actually do get the ball out and a few players up in attack um we just kind of dawdle on the ball there's no sense of urgency and there's no real threat and especially against Wolves where we actually had quite a bit of the ball and and we were getting into good areas but we were getting there so slowly and moving the ball so slowly that Wolves with their back five were just able to reset every single time and it was just too easy for them once they got five behind the ball we were not going to get through them it just wasn't going to happen and and that was how it just how it played out um A worrying stat that I've kind of been keeping track of is that um, an Aston Villa player now has not scored a goal from open play in the Premier League for seven games. The last one was uh, Ali Samata's goal against Bournemouth on his debut. Villa have scored one goal from open play since then, but it was an own goal um, by Toby Alderweireld against Spurs. So that is massively concerning. Um... And I think it kind of just shows that we're not really getting the ball to our, our difference makers in the right areas. I think Grealish, it's been well documented that out wide just isn't isn't right for him, I don't think. Um, but he hasn't been as, as influential since the restart, definitely. Um, that's something I'll come on to in a little bit more detail later as well. Um, but yeah, I think also what, what's concerning is that, yes, we are more defensively solid now, but... We still have a howler in us. You know, I think we've seen that in in most of the games, to be honest. I mean, thinking back to the Newcastle game, where the goal New- that, that Newcastle scored was just an absolute comedy, comedy of errors from Villa. I mean, you had, in terms of uh, dis- defensive positioning, I mean, you had, for some reason, Andy Carroll is out on the wing with the ball and Villa see that as a massive danger. Um targets over there as he should be. Mings and Hawes both get dragged over for no reason when Douglas Louise is also there. Leaves a massive gap for um for Dwight Gale to run into. You could have drove a bus or two through that through that gap and uh all Carol had to do was find him. I know Dane Smith gave a lot of, of stick to Esri Konsa after the game for not kind of noticing that and going across and and, and picking up um Picking up Gale and in terms of the maybe the game plan and, and what you're supposed to do when your teammates have all shuffled across, you should do the same. Yes, that's probably true. However, Konza was left with two players to mark, the player he's supposed to be marking, and this random striker running through <laughs> running through. Um and yeah, he didn't he didn't pick him up, he didn't seem to recognise it quickly enough, but he never should have been put in that position. And for me, Hawes and Mings were were far more at fault. But that's just one obviously example um Courtney Hawes uh has a tendency to kind of gift the ball away at least once a game on the edge of the box to um to the opponent so that's obviously always something to be to kind of be concerned about um and then obviously Neu- uh, or your nyland in goal I was actually a big advocate of him to start um ahead of rainer when when we started up again um and quite frankly he just hasn't hasn't stepped up. There haven't really been many saves at all. Um, and certainly none that you think were above average. And he's got away with two absolute clangers. Um with the in the first game against Sheffield United, the ball that he carried over the line because he the first the first error was he just couldn't hold on to it. Fair enough, Keenan Davis did kind of shove him back across the goal line, but he couldn't get his hands around the ball anyway. So that was a massive let-off. Um, as much as Villa deserved to win that game, we should have been one 0 down because of because of that moment. And then against Wolves, the 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 throw where he just the ball slipped out of his hand straight to um to Diogo Jota who should have scored, and just luckily for Villa, kind of shat himself and and just fired it over the bar. But that, that's two there that we've got away with, and it's just frustrating because there's there's no point being better organised defensively across 90 minutes to then throw it all away with one rush of blood to the head and unfortunately that's what we still have in us and I think if you ask most Villa fans throughout the season we don't mind being beaten by better play but the amount of goals Villa have conceded where they've just gifted the opposition a goal and, and we're just beating ourselves um, that has to, has to be cut out and um, if if we're going to if we're going to win games especially with the lack of threat we've got up front but having said that you know the defense are doing a good job uh, overall so you know don't want to put too much too much stick on them um but what it what it keeps coming back to is i remember kind of the start of the season where um we we were good to watch and we could attack we were quite good to watch but we just couldn't defend and I kind of missed that in a way just because it felt more hopeful um, than what we're doing right now and it kind of I understand from Dean Smith's point of view he's trying to keep us in the league and, and, and uh, keep his job which I, I mean I would hold on to him if we go down even um, because of the position he's been put in this year its um, it's been an incredibly difficult job for him and I think in time he'll get the club where we should be but he's kind of abandoned his philosophy a little bit and that's pragmatic, but is it, is it right? I don't know. Personally, I'm not sure whether I rather would would rather have seen us stick to our principles and try and improve at the way of playing that we want to play rather than just kind of trying to get through each game and not really having any kind of identity. And we do seem to have lost lost our identity a little bit. Um, but on the flip side of that, you look at Norwich, who have come up and kept their identity, and they're going down, you know, with a bullet because they can't defend; they just cannot defend. Um, I watched them against Arsenal the other night, and they're just atrocious. So it's a balancing act, um, but we don't have too long to try and to try and get it right now. Okay, uh, I just want to move on now to just kind of discuss, you know, that. I suppose, the elephant in the room, really, of of kind of there not being any fans. Obviously, since since Project Restart, there are no fans in the stadium. Um, and not having fans at Villa Park is certainly a disadvantage for us. Um, although, you know, I, I think a lot of Villa fans would testify that it can certainly be a, a toxic place at times, Villa Park, if, if uh, things aren't going well. But, you know, also that this villa team have been dragged through games purely because of the fans there's no doubt about that i mean the watford game is the the ultimate example of that at home what went 1-0 down really had no right to go 1-0 down um and the villa fans just kept pushing the team on and obviously it in the end led to led to a last minute winner there's no doubt that it has an effect and um with us having quite a few home games and and home games that before the before the restart I probably would have fancied us with the fans behind us like man united at home I wouldn't have been that worried about that game um arsenal at home another one even even chelsea chelsea uh, wolves you know when you're playing teams that are better than you you need your fans behind you to try and make it difficult like that's not a secret but having said that we did still take the lead against chelsea without any fans so I suppose it didn't it didn't ultimately hold us back too much but um i think it's it's sometimes just that thing of the fans giving giving the team a second wind uh which we we didn't seem to have once we went behind against chelsea there was no kind of it, we looked kind of dead and buried after that um there wasn't much kind of like fight to to, to get level and then the wolves game i know they were very tired but towards the end it just was a little bit lethargic, a bit slow and, and not really, really like clawing to, to get an equaliser. And I think that's just what the fans give you sometimes. They just, they increase the urgency of the players. And I think that's something that we're definitely missing at the moment. Okay, so now I want to move on to um, kind of some some players to mention. Some kind of noteworthy players really since the restart um, that I just wanted to touch on Um So first of all, I'll start with with all your Nyland, who I've kind of come to. Um, And at the moment, Dean Smith is kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because Nyland seems to have no confidence um, at the moment. Those two errors that I mentioned aren't the only times that there was a shot in, in one of the games where he kind of Dropped the ball behind him after he saved it and he nearly went in. The ball just doesn't seem to be sticking into his hands at the moment. Um, and that's always been the issue with him. There's no doubt he's a good shot stopper. And he makes some fantastic saves. But he just does not command his area. And he doesn't make the the defence in front of him feel confident. Um, so that's a problem. But then on the other side of the, of the coin, um, our last memory of Pepe Reina is him playing in midfield trying to tackle Harvey Barnes for absolutely no reason whatsoever and the issue with Reina is is that he's almost got too much confidence and that just leads to at times just boneheaded decisions to be honest and um, we've seen it you know a, a few times and obviously he's got all the experience and he plays the style of football that um, in theory, we want to play, and he's happy to play the ball out from the back. But he kind of makes Villa fans nervous in a whole different way because he he seems to think he can do anything, and we know he can't. So it's kind of it's it's a difficult situation. Um, having Tom Heaton get injured in January was was such a blow. Um, I think that that Burnley game, if we are to be relegated, will be seen as as a massive kind of turning point in a negative sense when it should have been a positive sense um, with Wesley going off injured um, after his best performance of the season and a goal and hoping to kick on and then get injured and then Tom Heaton who was just a solid presence in goal um, getting injured as well that's been a massive blow for us there's no doubt um, personally going back to the goalkeeper situation after the errors, errors Nyland's made, even though he hasn't been punished for them as such, Pepe Reina has to have been knocking on the manager's door. And I I think uh, against Liverpool on Sunday, especially with it being, you know, Rainer's return to Anfield, I think I'd give him the nod purely because Nyland hasn't done enough to hold on to the shirt, in my opinion. Um, next player I want to talk about is a player who actually hasn't played since since the restart, which is Freddie, Freddie Gilbert. Um, and the reason is, quite frankly, just because I think we've we've missed him, um, and that's why that's why I wanted to talk about him. Esri has obviously been manning the position at right back ahead of Elmo, which is a, an interesting decision that Smith made, and he's been doing pretty well, to be fair. Um, I think it's probably likely because of his his aerial presence. He's he's quicker than Elmo, and he's comfortable on the ball. Um, but at times he has switched off, as we mentioned. Um which is you know possibly to be expected because he's playing out of position. Um Freddie Freddie Gilbert throughout the season hasn't really given as much going forward as I'd hoped he would, but he's defending and watching Freddie Gilbert's slide tackles are a work of art, honestly. He's such a good tackler. Um and just defensively in general he's been he's been pretty pretty solid. Um, whenever he's back from injury, he he has to go straight back in, has to go straight in for me. I know Smith mentioned, because obviously Matt Target is is out injured, uh, he was asked is there anybody else and he said everyone else is fine. So I'm not sure if that meant other than the ones we already knew about or everyone is now ready to go. If Shield Bear's ready to go, get him in the team, get him in the team straight away. Um, and then obviously you've got a decision to make with with who um who plays at centre back along with with Mings kinda of between Conza and Hawes there. So moving on to uh the player who I think and I think most Villa fans think has been our best player since the restart and that's that's Douglas Louise. Um, he's improved so much defensively. Um, there was a thread on uh, on Twitter by uh, Villa Villa Analytics, who's an, an excellent follow on Twitter, um, talking about how he's improved since the restart from one of the, if not the worst defensively in his position of defensive midfielders in the league to uh, well above average and actually better defensively than, than Marvellous Nakamba's kind of ratings for the season. Um and considering Nakamba's whole thing is his defensive solidity. Um Luiz has just really stepped up to the plate in that regard. He's he's kind of sat he's just always been where he needed to be, which wasn't the case before. Um one of those he's been one of those players since the restart when a ball is cleared or a ball bubbles bobbles away, it always seems to fall to him and he just always seems to be in the right place. Um he's been calm and composed in possession which obviously we knew he's he's got that about him um and i think he's been a lesson in in patience for villa supporters really because when we signed him he was a clearly talented player who obviously was inconsistent throughout the season but he's also shown you know big amounts of promise um in terms of what he can do some of the passes he pulls off no one in our team can do and i mean no one not even jack grealish can pass some can play some of the passes that douglas louise does is um, you know shooting from long range, he'd shown definitely some some uh, some bright spots. You know this is a guy who's younger than Keenan Davis and Callum O'Hare. Uh, is new to the league, new to the country, and he's only he's you know only started to learn English a year ago. Um, he's now he's now you know passed his his uh, latest English test. You know I hear and uh, John McGinn talked about, and this is. It sounds so stupid, but it, it it probably is a factor that you just don't even think about, that McGinn and Louise were playing together a lot of the season, and Douglas Louise couldn't understand a word John McGinn was saying, to the point where if people were shouting man on, he didn't really get it. He wasn't really understanding, and that might help to explain why so many times this season he's had the ball, there's been someone an opposition player literally so close behind him and he just doesn't even seem to know they're there or care. Um, I think originally we kind of put that down to, oh, he's Brazilian, he's just so comfortable on the ball that he doesn't care if someone's behind him. But it might have genuinely been that he just didn't know. Um, So you have to question how it got to the point where he didn't even understand man on. You'd think that'd be probably one of the first things he would teach him. But either way, um, he he certainly improved. I think Villa fans were far too quick to judge him. Uh, And we've now started to see what what he can do and why Man City wanted a a buyback clause, quite frankly, because he's clearly so, so talented. Um, And with kind of Fernandinho soon to retire at Man City, this is a player who's definitely got the kind of potential to be that kind of player, I think, um, going forward. Maybe slightly different, but but similar. Um, if, If Villa do go down, I don't know... How we'll hold on to him. Um, but if he leaves, I'll be so disappointed because genuinely he is such a good player, um, and with more time at Villa, he'll only become better and better. He he has such high potential, it's unbelievable. Um, moving on then to Villa's captain Jack Grealish. Now, how Dean Smith... I've talked about this a little bit, but how Dean Smith hasn't worked out yet that. The number 10 role is just absolutely, unequivocally, his best position. There's literally no debate to be had. That is his best position. How he hasn't worked that out and just put him there every single game, I don't know. Putting him out on the wing, I understand, you know, um, he's talked about kind of when you put Jack as the number 10, maybe you lose a little bit defensively. But he doesn't seem shy to me to, to come back and get involved in the in the dirty work. Um, When we haven't got the ball, he's just absolutely wasted on the wing. And frankly, it just doesn't suit him. He's not the quickest player. Obviously, with the ball at his feet, his dribbling is insane. But he's not going to consistently drive past people down the wing. Having the touchline there next to him acts as kind of a second defender. And and that's just not not helpful. And when we've got him in the middle, in that number 10 role, when Jack Grealish is driving towards the edge of the opposition box, all it does is draw all the defenders in towards him, and that opens up space for you know the wingers out there. And those wingers then, who much maligned, like El Ghazi and Trezeguet, don't need to be the best wingers in the world, because they've got space to operate in. It just doesn't make sense to me how most of the season, he hasn't been playing in his, in my opinion, um, correct position. Um, but overall, since the restart, I've been pretty underwhelmed by Jack Grealish. Now, I'm not one of these people, these idiots on social media saying he needs to be dropped. Because, I mean, he's our best player, lads. Like, it's not going to happen, nor should it. But he has been underwhelming. And for every time you turn on Sky Sports, all the pundits, every time Villa come up, it's always, oh, well, you know, Jack Grealish is trying his best. He's trying to, like, drag them up by their, you know, um, you know, drag them up to safety. I haven't seen too many of these Superman performances you know, of late and it, perhaps it's unfair to ask him to do this but when he's the best player on the team you expect more from him um, and I think part of the problem is just that he wants to get on the ball so much and affect the game that he just comes far too deep he's, he's picking the ball up off the centre-halves he runs 10 yards with it and gets fouled that literally does not help us at all. His his foul numbers are obviously through the roof. I think he's like nearly 50 fouls ahead of the second most foul player in the league, which is absolutely mad. But it just doesn't fouls don't win you games, especially when they're in ineffective areas. If we're going to win fouls, they have to be penalties or around the box where you give Conor Horahan, if he's starting or whoever else the chance to get the ball into a dangerous area teams it's too easy to play against Jack Grealish at the moment because he's playing too deep and they'll just foul him and especially when they're not really being punished the referees frankly don't protect Grealish enough in terms of actual cards given out Uh, it's almost like they think oh well because he gets fouled all the time if we were booking people every time you know there'd be loads of red cards whatever but if it's a yellow card it's a yellow card and there's so many cynical fouls on Grealish um, but they just they they get away with it. So he's too easy to play against. They think that's fine. If you want to pick the ball up in your own half, you know if you get past me, I'll just kind of take you down, and and I'll, I probably won't get booked, and and that'll be the end of it, kind of thing. And um, and that's that's been a problem for us. I think he's definitely got to. They've got to get it into his head that you need to stay further forward, get the ball to him in positions where he can really affect the game. We're struggling to score goals. He has to be the creative outlet for us. Um, As he has been, you know, so much of the season and last season, Um, but he hasn't been, hasn't been effective enough. And obviously also these, these kind of fouls as well, all these fouls, they're just slowing the game down and the games are slow enough as they are at the moment. And it just adds to this, this thing where we just don't look kind of like in, in enough of a hurry to go and win the game. Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely something that he needs to work on. It hasn't been he hasn't been the best you know version of himself since the restart for sure. Um, and then the final player that I want to talk about in depth is Keenan and Davis. Um, he started three of Villa's four games since the restart, which you know has finally kind of satisfied the fetishes of many Villa fans who who have been you know wanting to see him start for a long time, get a good run in the team. Um, and my observations are that. For better or worse, Davis has kind of shown the same things he's always shown when he's played for Villa. Um, On the positive side, his pace and his strength are a real, real uh, problem and a nuisance to defenders. Um, And his hold-up play is exceptional. He's been put in a lot of bad situations where he's, he's up there on his own. The Chelsea game in particular was a tough watch in that regard. But he's done really well holding the ball up. Uh, and bringing people into play, getting us up the pitch, but unfortunately, on the negative side, he has no goals to show for for all of his his industry. Basically, um, Davis's last goal for Villa, uh, his last league goal for Villa, was against Barnsley in the Championship, which was 33 months ago. I mean, you, you can you can point to injuries and a lack of chances to start and a lack of kind of consistent running the team, but. However, whichever way you want to look at it, two goals in forty-eight league appearances, mostly in the cha- most of those appearances and all of the goals in the championship, um, is a poor record. You know, at the end of the day, um, since he's been in the team, the only the only real chances he's had since the restart to score were against Sheffield United. That was the big the big game where he probably. He'll feel he should have he got a goal that game. There was a header in the first half from a corner which he really should have done better with, probably should have scored it. Um, there was one one which he did everything right, a ball over the top from Matt Target in the second half where he, he drives the ball towards the near post. It's a really good hit and it's just a brilliant save from Dean Henderson. There's nothing he can really do there. So that's unfortunate. Um, and I think there was also one where, where El Ghazi kind of squared it uh, and it would have been an open goal, but he just missed him. So you know, fair enough, he's getting in the positions, but at some point he's going to run out of excuses. And and we're at a time where we need goals. Um, now I like Davis as much as any Villa fan, uh, and he's definitely a talented player. And I know Villa feel the same about him. And Dean Smith has said that they think he can be a real a real star for them. And I, I agree, he's got the potential, but the goals the goal output is just not there. At the moment. Um, And that would be fine if we were getting goals from other areas. But at the moment, we're just not. There's been some talk of kind of playing El Ghazi up there with Davis. I know, uh, you know, Grealish talks about El Ghazi being the best finisher in the team. Um, So, he definitely needs to get more involved in the game. I've been pretty disappointed with El Ghazi since the restart. So, perhaps getting someone like him with a bit of pace, trickery and apparently a good finisher. I mean, you know, his goal output has been pretty decent for Villa. Um, maybe that could help. Um, okay, I just want to move on now to uh, some stats that I looked into from um, the popular stat website WhoScored, which is one of the you know the more the more well used ones. Just to kind of see, per their kind of rankings, who has been the most improved and uh, who's been the worst in compa- uh, since the restart compared to the rest of the season. So. We'll look on the positive side first. The most improved since the restart, per who scored, is Conor Horahan. Um, his rating for the entire season is 6.66. Uh, these are out of 10, obviously. Um, but his rating since the restart has been 7.14. So that's obviously a massive increase. That's mostly due to his man of the match performance against Sheffield United, where, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Conor Horahan, but that game he was exactly what we needed. Um, He from him, he was much more involved, did the dirty work, was present in the game, still providing good deliveries as well. And just a really good performance from him. Against Chelsea, he was exposed a little bit more, I thought, and we haven't seen him obviously start since then. Um, But that performance against Sheffield United has really helped boost his rating there. And uh, it showed a glimpse of hopefully, you know, what Horahan can do Um, my issue with him has always just been he doesn't affect the game enough so hopefully you know, we're starting to see a bit of improvement in that area Um, second most improved is Courtney Hawes his rating for the season is 6.88 which is actually um, third best on the team Uh, I know that would be a surprise to to a lot of Villa fans Um, and his rating since the restart has been 7.26 obviously this is boosted by the fact he's got a goal and the fact that he's just been so good in the air uh he does give fouls away more than the other defenders, but he is kind of the physical presence at the moment, which seems weird when you've got Tyrone Mings in there as well. But he wins so many headers. Um I saw a, a stat that that he per 90 minutes wins 6.6 headers um per game, and the next best on Villa on Villa's team is uh is like half of that. So obviously that you know is probably the reason for the, the high ranking there. Um, and then the other two I wanted to just mention as well for in- improvements are Esri Konza, six point four five for the season, but six point six seven since the restart, um, which is interesting and impressive considering he's been playing a new a new position. And Keenan Davis, who I just talked about, six point two eight for the season and since the restart six point four nine. Um, it's his first real running the team consistently, and he's put, he's performed well as as I talked about biggest decline now this is a worry uh the biggest decline this one is more understandable is John McGinn uh his rating for the season is 7.09 and since the restart it's 6.32 which is a massive massive decrease it's not surprising at all you know he hasn't played football since December um he's just getting back into the team he's been playing a lot of football for us as well because we need him um you know since the restart but it is a big decline, and and it's obvious that he hasn't been himself. Hopefully, maybe a week off uh, will help get a bit more out of him against Liverpool. But it's not; it's too much to to expect from him really to be able to come back and hit the ground running. But we, unfortunately, we need him to be at his best. Um, the second name on the list, this is a concerning one, is Jack Grealish. His rating for the season is seven point two seven, but since the it's six point nine two, which is obviously still really hot, really high, but. As I, you know, referred to, he hasn't been as effective as we need him to be. We knew in this final stretch of the season that our two best players, really Jack Grealish and John McGinn, were going to be massive for us. And the fact that they are the two players who have declined the most according to this metric, obviously, is not a good sign at all. Um, and we need we need more definitely from Grealish. Um, and then the other player, the, the the other two that I wanted to to mention on the decline side are Trezeguet, uh, who's gone from a six point five one for the season to a six point one seven since the restart, and Anwar El Ghazi, who's gone from six point six one to six point three three. I wanted to just mention these guys because it's become apparent to me that uh, the wing is our weakest and thinnest area. Um, both of them since the restart have been ineffective and it led to in the end us just binning off wingers altogether against Wolves playing a a diamond midfield and and having no wingers to start Um, they certainly just haven't they haven't provided us with any kind of guile or or creativity really since the restart and that's that's definitely disappointing and and it needs to change and I don't think it's a surprise that Kind of on this on this side on the decline side, it's our creative players that are that are the ones that have declined um, because that's clear to see. We haven't been creating any chances. Okay, but looking forward, uh, just to finish up, the Newcastle game felt like a must-win, and uh, when we didn't win it, it was hard, you know, not to feel that that we were going down. But with Villa, it's it's always the hope that kills you. I mean, with the other teams in the relegation fight well, fight might be strong, more like a kerfuffle of sorts. Um being just as bad as us, you know, up until West Ham's kind of result, uh, we'd we'd picked up two two of the th- of the three total points picked up by the teams in the bottom five since the restart. Um you know, making us somehow the form team out of the bottom five. Obviously that's that's um changed now with West Ham's win, but it shows we've We've improved, definitely. Um, at the end of the day, it would only take a couple of wins to make this table look so much better. Um, but unfortunately, for the next few games, our, our fixture list is obviously ugly with Liverpool up next, then Manchester United. Um, personally, I think we need three wins to stay up. I think the teams I'm now targeting for, to go down instead of us would be Bournemouth, who look absolutely hopeless at the moment. And uh, Watford, who... Um, have only picked up a point since the restart and they lost to Burnley and Southampton two games that were real opportunities for them to pick up points and they didn't Uh, Watford, uh, Bournemouth's fixture list is tougher than ours which is saying something and uh, Watford's is kind of similar, I think we've both got three games against teams that are right up there and three games maybe to target for points as well Um, so it may well come down to that so yeah i'm thinking three wins which is achievable it is but we haven't won in our last eight which is the longest stretch in um in the league without a win of any team um and we need to start becoming a threat again to help out the improved defence if we are going to uh to get those wins and and keep ourselves up it's all well and well and good you know keeping opposition mostly at bay but if we can't score goals we're not going to win games and we're not going to stay up so yeah, it's not looking good overall, but I'm still hopeful that we are improving and that we can we can do this. We can do it. The players are capable of it. I know Dean Smith. You know the language he's used in his press conferences has been, you know, uh, unerring in terms of we have faith, we're going to do this. I don't. I've never been relegated in my career, and I don't expect to this year. Strong words. So uh, we'll see if his players can can back him up and uh, execute on the pitch all right that's gonna do it um, for this podcast bit of a longer one than I, than uh, I usually do today um, but obviously a lot to a lot to talk about with us being back from um, from you know project restart uh, with four games to kind of to pick over uh, Liverpool up next as I said so I'll probably do a podcast I would think next week reviewing that. Um, hopefully it won't be too much of a post-mortem. Hopefully it'll be you know more positive but uh, we'll see we'll see. Um, yeah if you enjoyed listening to the podcast then please um, subscribe on wherever you get your podcast from. Um, you can follow on Twitter at b6 broadcast uh, as well and obviously anyone you can tell about the podcast you know um, that you think might enjoy it, share it around. That'd be wonderful. All right. Until next time, at the villa.